Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's episode, I have another person that I consider the biggest piece of shit I've ever met. Eric Stein. I'm doing well. I'm doing well, big sweaty. How how are we doing, baby? I'm good. I'm good. Did you... uh, I told you last night you need to bring a good attitude. You know me. Wake up every day. Sun is shining. Feet's on the floor. We're moving forward. That's all it is. All right. It's just (laughs) better be like that. So, (laughs) so, uh, you know, you and me, we, we met, we met years ago. I actually, actually, I'm not even going to say that. I actually got to ask you this. So do you remember, so you went to Lancaster. I went to Linesville North. I remember playing against you in varsity lacrosse. You remember playing against me or no? No, but to your point though, the only kid, no offense. The only kid I do remember was fields, but I do remember the one summer we were playing Buff Cup, and I like I there was a Williamsville North kid because I was already at Mercyhurst, and I recognized you, and I'm like, wait a second, like this fucking kid plays cross, and then I'm like, I knew your brother, like I knew of your brother, so like I thought it was your brother at first when I like went back to Mercyhurst that following year and became boys with like Lenny and Mike, and I'm like, wait a second, it was that fucking kid, and I just I never brought that up to you. I was just like, all right, I don't know because. I, right. Like I said, I didn't know. So like, to your dude, point, I remember no, I, playing I against you in high school just because a who the fuck is this massive ginger kid and b he's absolutely just having smokes from about fifteen yards out, going top fucking bends and not worrying about it. And I just would be sitting there like this fucking guy, dude. He's so big, you can't fucking stop him. He's just lugging around the field, not even moving fast, but he's got an absolute fucking hammer of a shot on him. And then, yeah, to the point about the Mercier thing, like. You started friends with Lenny and Renzo, and I was to live with them, and then kind of through osmosis and just being around each other, um, it was crazy. Thing comes full circle like that, you know. I, remember, I just remember being like this fucking guy, and Megan, he was an absolute ghost on the field. I don't remember him at all, but fucking you, I was like Jesus Christ, this kid, he's fucking unstoppable at the moment. My little puny ass couldn't do anything. <laughs> Dude, it was funny too because. Uh... JD oh, Reaper yeah, was still yeah, with us yeah, before Reaper, he transferred no, to Tyner. I was like, and, Jesus Christ, boys. And I'm gonna I was text I was texting Fieldsy last week and you know when he gets uh I mean he's busy with the you know being a stud in the PLL and being Mr. <laughs> being Mr. Fucking big time. But uh but uh yeah, no, so like it was funny because Recor was we were warming up and Fields is wearing like no show socks, <laughs> looking out the bottom bar, has a fucking dude has a fucking chrome stick. A chrome stick, and we're just like like I didn't say anything because like I like I played against kids that look dusty and then they're actually ballers. So like I never say shit and on top of it, I don't really pay attention to who I'm playing unless it's like a legit like not saying Fields isn't legit, but like unless it's like someone you know. Record was like, yo, this Fields kid's nasty. And I remember Megan's like, what? what? That kid? And, dude, he ended up dropping fucking, like, I, I think yeah. he had, like, six or seven goals on us. And we were just, like, throwing, like, those fakes that he does in the pros now. It's, like, the no looks. And I was like, what the fuck? And then he ended up And running. I remember, like, again, he's an absolute baller. But he's a, he's a legend, too. Like, he's a, real, he's a boys uh, kind of guy, too. So he's a fucking – he's a good guy off the field as well. But – Dude, I remember he'd show up to practices and, like, games, like you said, no-show socks, looking, like, honestly, just the dustiest kid ever. And then he'd go out there and pull some shit. And it's like, dude, you are on another planet of a playing field right now. Like, you're nowhere close to what we got. Yeah, and it's, uh, like, dude, to your point, like, he, like, his parents, I mean, you, I know you know, like, the family and shit, but his parents are fucking yeah. the sweetest people. Um, his brother is one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And then even Fields himself for like all he's accomplished and then like how big time he actually is in lacrosse. Like he, he's like the most down to earth and genuine person like you could probably ever meet. But, um, like you said, we played box the one summer together and like, I'm like looking at him like, <laughs> God damn, like, <laughs> like, why are you playing with us? Like, cause I think he's yeah, yeah, no, and he, I mean, I played a couple games of box with him too, and it's just again like, dude, I don't, I should not be on this field. I should not be on this court. I should not be anywhere near you on a lacrosse surface because the things you're doing and what you're seeing is way above my IQ level and playing level. Yeah, and I mean, it, uh, it like, shit, it does help fucking playing with the Thompson brothers for a <laughs> couple years as well. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude but yeah no so like uh back to what you're saying like um you know after i got the boot from the lax team i started uh kicking it with well richie (laughs) richie sanders and and, uh and 
introduced me to fucking Lenny, <laughs> introduced me to Lenny. And then when I started hanging out with Lenny, obviously like Mike and stuff and, um, and then like Dick Smith and then you kind of like just from always being around and shit. And, um, and you played, uh, you played soccer at, uh, Mercyhurst. So like, how did you even like, why'd you pick Mercyhurst? And like, so, how did you even end up playing soccer there? One of my best friends, his older brother was a good player in high school at North. And obviously we knew each other because our families were close. My best friend was his younger brother, that kind of thing. And he ended up going to Mercier's and being super successful at Mercier's. And through going to visit him um, and my ex-girlfriend at the time also went to Mercier's and she played on the women's team. So just going to visit them my senior year of high school and, and kind of seeing like the atmosphere and getting to meet the guys in the team and that sort of thing. I just kind of fell in love with it and I don't even know how it started, but I ended up at kind of like an open practice. Um, one day in the spring, Dick Smith was there. Joe Corb was there. I was there. Um, I don't believe Renzo was there. And there might've been one other kid that was a senior in high school that was kind of like trying out. And so went to the, the session I did okay. I wasn't anything great. The kids that were on the team were fucking phenomenal. We'll get into that um, in a little bit. But I asked the coach after the game, I was like, hey, would there, or after the practice, like, is there a spot for me? Like, kind of, can I come walk on? And he said, yeah. And from that point, it's kind of a wrap. Like, I didn't really think anything else over it. I was super familiar with the school again and the guys and really liked what they had going on. And the, the history of the program was pretty exceptional. Um, and soon, so it's like as soon as he told me that that it was good to go, I was like, all right, I'm in. Set my application in, and and that was kind of it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't even remember how I ended up at that practice session. I think I just kind of walked in and showed up, and it and it went from there. So pretty crazy. Uh, looking back, how it went down. Now, uh, did you? Um... What was I going to say now, like from your experience, like, cause I know you're a coach now. So like your experience, like playing soccer and shit, like, did you, did you just like still have that? Like, like most coaches do, like they just still have that love for the game that like they get involved in coaching. Like, is that like, kinda yeah, how you got so, coaching or I, like... so my playing career itself wasn't successful by any means at Mercier's. I actually only played in one game and it was our senior day and I played for about maybe five minutes. So I actually didn't see any field time whatsoever. Um, which we can talk about that side of it as well because that's definitely changed my outlook on a lot of things. But I, I redshirted my freshman year, oh, no. year, so I still had a year to play. And I'd reached out to a couple of Division three schools because obviously I wasn't good enough to play Division two. So the next best thing is just go see what Division three has to offer. Um, I reached out to SUNY Cortland, and Steve Axel, who's the coach there, got back to me the same day. I told him my story. I was like, hey, I have a year left to play. I'd love to come play. He got back that day and was like, we actually, you can't transfer. If you're a Division One or Division Two undergrad player, you can't transfer and play Division Three as a grad student, which that rule has now changed since that moment for the better because a lot of kids, obviously, I would say all kids that transfer from D1 to D2 to play Division Three as a grad student weren't good enough, so they should be able to play Division Three, like the case in my story. But anyways, that's beside the point. He said, we can't have you play. But because of my athletic training background, they wanted me to kind of be on staff, part as a coach, part as an athletic trainer. Um, and again, that was a school I had looked at going to for undergrad and it didn't work out. And so I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll come like help coach. I'll come be an athletic trainer. I'll do all those things. And then come to find out when I got onto campus at SUNY Cortland and started working because of certain rules and regulations with athletic training and I can't even tell you what exactly the rule was but I I could not work as an athletic trainer even though I was certified with the team which was a very strange rule because again I was certified did all my uh, testing passed all the tests etc cetera, etc cetera. but they just kept me on staff as a coach and then kind of through that process of so the next couple of years we were super successful my role kind of grew as more time I spent with SUNY Corlin. And then, yeah, it's another thing I just kind of fell ass backwards into. And I was just saying today to um, some of the people that work here at Binghamton now, like I couldn't imagine doing anything else and there's nothing else I'd rather do. And so I got very fortunate with 
how it unfolded, but wouldn't change it for the world by any means. Yeah, and like there's a couple of things I want to go like that I've thought of as you were talking that went off. And first of all, like those rules, in my opinion, are kind of fucking stupid. But at the same time, like because like I, like we were saying before we got on and started recruiting, like or started recording, <laughs> not recruiting. Fuck. Um, <laughs> like uh, when I was when I was looking to transfer from uh, Hobart, like my I wanted to go to like my my only D one options that were on the table um were Marquette and then Ohio State because obviously like you know Grace Grace is at Grace was going Grace wasn't even there yet she was the following year she would have been a freshman so uh-huh. like I knew Grace was going to Marquette and playing women's lacrosse um and so I'm like okay like I know Grace so I'll, I'll go I'll go there and like there's another kid that transferred from Hobart to Marquette and then Ohio State I wanted to go to because I'm like all right I could just live with my grandparents and then save money but like the D1 to D1 mid-year rules like they don't allow you to do that unless you sit out so like kind of like how you stumbled into coaching like I kind of stumbled into Mercyhurst because I was just like all right I know Megan's there you know they recruited me in uh, high school Mercyhurst recruited me in high school uh, pretty heavily and then I'm just like you know what fuck it I'm gonna go there and it ended up being you know the best experience of my life so kind of going back to you like do you think that uh, sometimes like the best experiences of your life, like you stumble upon versus yeah, I mean, like you actually planning for them? Um, I definitely have been very fortunate and lucky in everything that's happened to me. And that's not to say that I don't work hard for mm-hmm. things by any means. Cause I, I definitely do. And I feel that I do, but the Mercier's thing, like I, I said, I don't even remember how I showed up to that practice. It just kind of showed up and then they said, yeah, you can come have a spot on the team as a walk up. And then the Cortland thing, like I said, I still had a year to play, and he had reached back out and said, yeah, we can't actually have you play, but we'd love to have you as a coach. Um, and then actually with the Binghamton thing too, so I started out as a volunteer last year in February, and then their second assistant left, and they were looking to get this dude from Germany who was super qualified for the position, like had a much better resume than I did. But then the pandemic hit and he couldn't get, um, you know, he wasn't able to come over to the States and start working and and things kind of fell through for him. So then through those events, I had gotten reached back out from the head coach of Binghamton and he was like, hey, we'd love to have you, you know, come be part of staff. And it kind of was a no brainer for me. But that's another thing that like series of fortunate events in my occurrence of you know, those things kind of lining up for me and, and working out um, in my favor. Yeah, absolutely. I like, I don't know. Like, I just think like, um, you know, we, again, we were touching on this before, like, you know, going like just with me and certain things that didn't work out for fucking me, like, uh, you know, look back 2020 visions, 2020, when you look back, but like at the same time, it's like, it's kind of funny how like whatever your plan is, your plan sometimes goes like, gets fucked up and in the process of that like what you were what you were actually hoping you would get you end up getting from like your plan not working out if that like makes sense but like um you were saying that you were doing athletic training which I want to touch on now like were was that your major in college or like because like obviously you you they're not just like hey Eric you want to be a fucking athletic trainer <laughs> like you gotta like you gotta be educated on that shit so like was so that, like, something you majored in or like when I was still in high that? school I started training at a place called performance um by John Offer, who owns it, who John Offer is a, an incredible strength and conditioning guy, anatomy and physiology guy. He's worked with some phenomenal individuals. He trains some of the UB football guys. Um, and so when I started working out with him and at his place, that got me interested in strength and conditioning and performance improvements through, you know, training and that kind of thing. And then when I was looking through the list of majors at Mercier's, um, and this goes back to the kid who was there before me, who was a good family friend, Matt Campana, who played soccer. He also was an athletic trainer. My dumbass thought athletic training. Okay. That's you're training athletes to become better. I was not really in the ballpark on that one. And athletic, a lot of us know is something that's completely <laughs> different, not completely different, but it's not strength and conditioning, which I thought I was getting into anyways. Ended up in athletic training and was just kind of too lazy to switch. And it was close enough to what I like doing. So I just stuck with it. Um, But again, it's another thing that like my freshman year when I started taking classes, I was like, 
this is kind of not what I thought it was. And I don't know if I, and I was the dumbass who thought it was something different. Um, but again, just got lucky in the fact that I enjoyed it in my class. We had 13 people in it and we were all super close and the, the professors were awesome. And it was something that I ended up loving in the end um, and didn't continue on with just because of me getting into coaching. But yeah, it's funny, the athletic training thing, for anyone that listens that think athletic training is like strength and conditioning, it's not strength and conditioning. It's something different than that. <laughs> Did you guys, um, like, that was the place that was at uh, fucking yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was up up the Amherst Center, Springs, up, right? Pepsi um, Center? Kind of up the stairs, tucked away in a little corner. And he's still there. He's still there now. He does a fucking phenomenal job. Yeah. If anybody's looking to do some kind and he does – all ages, all sizes, all kinds of people. Um, but yeah, he, he's a phenomenal individual. He's super successful. He started out of his own garage and then over years he's built it into what it is now. Um, but yeah, he's a super awesome guy and he's very smart about the way he goes about things and his training and that kind of stuff. So he actually might be a good guy to get in touch with and try and see if, um, he'd come on cause he's definitely got some good knowledge and some good life experiences. Yeah, that I, that I'll definitely have to reach out. I'm going to, like, say – if I said that it was on your behalf, like, you put me in touch, would he know you? Or he'd be like, he, what the fuck is he's this? actually <laughs> a neighbor. He lives around the corner from us. Um, he definitely should still remember, you know, who we are and our last name and that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I'll definitely have to reach out to him because uh, yeah. that place that's at the Eastern Hills Mall, Absolute Performance – um that's where that's where me and megan used to work out at when we were in high school or not even in high school but like our, towards our senior year because like i didn't do i did not touch the weight room until probably like my freshman year of college like i walked in like to, like how you were talking about lacrosse earlier like i walked into hobart uh walking into division one lacrosse six foot three 165 pounds <laughs> dude like i got fucking like i didn't get bullied but like dude the first couple practices yeah. i'm like fuck dude i need to get some i need to put some muscle on like what the fuck and so like uh but no so like almost to like what you're saying about like how they train and it's all kind of like in a way like they mix in like biomechanics and like all that shit it was um i think i was talking about it with mike when he was on because i know he's like super into that type of shit is that it's like when I was coming home and I was giving, you know, Tom, who is the owner and runs AP, I was giving him like my strength and conditioning, like summer yeah. workouts. And he literally looked at him and fucking threw it in the trash. And he was just like, do you need to return this to school? And I was like, yeah, I got to give it back to the coach and fill it out. He goes, all right, just fill it out. But we're not doing a single fucking workout that's on that thing. He goes, whoever wrote that, he goes, whoever wrote that should be fired immediately. He goes, you're going to get hurt. He's like, you're going to be hurt working out like that. He's just like, it's just, it's nonsense. And it's like, it's kind of funny because like a lot of people when they train um, and I mean, I have no training experience or expertise, but like, I know like what I'm about to say, you could, you know, kind of go off of is that it's just like the whole like style of like progressive overload is actually fucking horrible for you. Whereas like the, the biomechanic method and stuff like, like where it's like, uh, you know, you do, you do a mix of like dynamic speed, heavy, and you, you know, you're always bands and you're like mixing it up. You actually like stay healthy that way. And you're less prone to injuries while like, gaining lean muscle and like putting on size and like getting faster as well. And it's like the same way that like a lot of like pro athletes train. Cause um, I know the first uh, and I know Megan was, <laughs> Megan was losing his mind, but like we were, we were at AP and we're, uh, we're benching and we we're doing upper body day and this big ass dude rocking, like obviously like a massive ring. It was a Packer Super Bowl ring and he's like squatting, uh -huh. spotting us and, it was James Starks, the the running back for the pack. Yeah, the pack, the, yeah. the Packers starting running back when they won the Super Bowl in 2010, and um and like Tom was like, you know who that is? I'm like, <laughs> obviously he plays in the league. Like the dude looks like Rambo. Like I don't know who the fuck that is. Like and he's like, oh, that's James Starks. I'm like, that dude's a running back. Like goddamn, like that dude looks like fucking Ray Lewis to me. And like um like and he was even saying that like he when he was in college he like he's gotten hurt a couple times like training sometimes on those systems and it's just like when he switched over to the biomechanic way that like you know he really like wasn't getting like major injuries anymore so like it is like kind of uh i know like we talked about this like i think that like with like health and wellness and shit there's so many like bullshit information out there whereas like it's almost hard in a way to get yeah, the information that's actually it's like, funny more too with the emergence of Tom Brady and the TB12 method as well. I feel like it's bringing more light to the fact of 
guys, you don't need to throw 315 on a bar and bench it six times to like have true strength and pure strength and those kind of thing. Um, you can get it by just training smartly. And, and like you said, like the biomechanic type way and like knowing and understanding the way your body moves and how it's supposed to move. And I would definitely say, especially from a, a pro athlete standpoint and from just a, from an everyday athlete standpoint in general, like a lot of people are starting to go that more band progressive, um, different types of plyometrics, um, breaking more planes of motion, that kind of thing. Like, when you are training and so i actually was just watching a video of Diggs, i think yesterday stefan Diggs, and he's on a bosey ball and he's balancing and he's getting balls zipped in at him and he's catching them and it's just like that kind of stuff is going to be more beneficial and more sport specific for him than if he again were to be under a bar benching 315 like trying to get reps kind of thing and so i definitely a lot of it is sport specific too um and like I've been thinking a lot about for our guys, we track at Binghamton, we track their GPS numbers, which is miles they run, sprint distance covered in a game, how fast they're running, their heart rate. We track all of that stuff throughout a game. And so a lot of our guys are averaging seven, seven and a half miles, eight miles a game. And one of our biggest issues this this year was being unfit. Like the guys just weren't ready for whatever reason from a physical standpoint to play the games that we did. Um, and so I've been thinking a lot about, okay, how do we get guys so that when they come back in August and we're ready to go with a full season, how do we get them so that they are match fit and ready to go? And with that is the sprint distance too, which is they cover like 1600 yards and what is considered sprinting distance. And again, it's like, how do we get guys to cover that ground? But when it's the 89th minute in a game, they're still just as fresh and still able to think clearly um, and do all the right things in certain moments as they would in the first minute. And so a lot of the training definitely needs to be more sport specific and more in terms of, okay, how do we get your body moving properly so that you don't injure yourself and so that you are able to face these situations in a game and react correctly, react quickly, make the right movements, all that kind of, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, did you um, have you ever seen like the workout videos that? Uh, the yeah, he's got some crazy ones too. So reason uh, Alan Camara does like, the stuff he's doing is super sport specific, and it's no wonder. Like he probably, and I don't know this for sure, and, but if I had a guess, he probably has no ankle injuries. His knees are probably strong as ever. Like the stuff he's doing is phenomenal, and and it's guys like that, and again, it's guys like Tom Brady, and it's these videos that are coming out. And Marcus Philly is a guy I follow on Instagram. He was a CrossFit guy, um, but he does what's called functional bodybuilding. And it's guys like that and the help of social media that they're uh -huh. putting videos out. And it's like, guys, this is the proper way to train. This is the way to do it. So you have longevity in training. And so you're not burnt out in your training. Um, and so your body doesn't feel like it's just gotten smoke day after day, because again, you're, you're moving your body and doing certain things that your body doesn't want to do naturally. Um, but yeah, Alvin Kamara is a great example of, Again, sport specific and the way he goes about it. There's a um, there's a guy if uh, for like you if you want to follow on uh, Instagram, David Alexander. He's the uh, he owns mm -hmm. uh, DBC Fitness down in Miami, and he was when my, when uh, LeBron was down in Miami, he was LeBron's trainer, and now like he trains he trains almost like everyone, like Donovan Mitchell, Von Miller, like all these dudes, and like. He's always on like Instagram fucking like rant and raven, like not in a like fuck you way, but like always talking about how like a lot of people don't know how to actually train and a lot of people like everyone tries to train the same and it's just like that's not how it works because everyone has a different body and shit like that. And he was like some of the workouts they have because it's all like biomechanic based and like he does a lot of stuff like there's a video of like Donovan Mitchell where he was having him go through this like crazy conditioning drill and then like to end the workout he had like all these like cones that would light up, but they were, he, and he, as he's like dribbling the ball, putting it between his legs, like going full speed, he has to like react to like the cone before like the other one starts buzzing or something like that. And like, he was saying that like, to your point, it's doing that. It's like a way to like, yeah. keep your mind sharp when you're like dead tired towards like yeah, the, and the, the game. And the like, reaction part too is such like a that. massive piece of it as well. So that's the thing we've been talking about as a staff lately is like, it's great 
so the next part of sport specific training is okay here's a set of cones dribble through the cones and then do a layup or dribble through the cones and then shoot a ball like that's great and all but in an actual game you're never going to see stationary cones that aren't going to move or that you're not going to have some kind of reaction to and so again the next part of the sport specific piece is like how do we recreate things that happen in a game for your reaction time to increase. So doing stuff with like lights lighting up when you're dribbling a basketball and you have to get to the, maybe the opposite light that doesn't light up. Um, and those kind of things is definitely something that I think from a youth standpoint, a lot of kids and young athletes will benefit from. Um, and again, the power of social media, like kind of presenting those ideas out there is going to be great and only grow that aspect of it. Yeah, and I'm actually looking um, – I'm looking at the Instagram account right now, and I'm going to send it to you when we get done here. But, like, one of the videos I'm looking at right now, it's uh, one of the guys that is, like, an expert in, like, human movement, biomechanics, using, like, the Navy and all that shit like that. He um, – there's an Instagram post of, like, where he's talking about how LeBron – obviously, LeBron's been playing for so fucking long and doesn't really get injured. I mean, he's injured right now, but, like um, – He's been talking about how, like, he had he basically was like telling LeBron that, like, yo, if you keep landing and jumping the way you do, your knees are going to be gone within a couple of years. So, like, he had to, as dumb as it sounds, he had to like train LeBron how to land and how to take off when he goes to jump and like how to move his core when, you know, he's driving the lane and like all different types of shit so that he doesn't, um, those like acute little injuries that like don't really bother you, but like over time, like, something stupid like pops off over like it being bottled up and like he was saying how it's just like like LeBron like there's so many videos of LeBron and he's a big ass dude but he he never lifts heavy like you never see him lift heavy like he'll yeah, put maybe like the, a plate on a bar and that's like the, the landing piece and all that stuff the amount of force LeBron James lands with on the ground is probably off the charts and so that force from the ground of him landing has to go somewhere and the fact of like him trying to figure out how to land so the force can get dispersed evenly throughout his body. And it's not just his knees taken in or it's not just his ankles or his hips taking all that force. Because again, like you said, over time, that'll just continue to occur, occur, occur. And then something will kind of drastically happen if you continue to take the force um, without dispersing it throughout your body. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, I'm not into like, I'm not in like that area for like industry and stuff, but I think like just learning about that shit is fascinating. Cause like, you don't like, no one knows about it. And everyone's just like, like you said, it's like, oh, you want to get strong, fucking just keep lifting until you, your weight goes up. And it's just like, that's actually more like Dorenzo and I were talking about it. Like that shit's more detrimental to you than it actually isn't. But, uh, you know, going, kind of getting back to like you coaching and shit like that. What, um, you're you're now coaching at Binghamton. You're assistant coach at Binghamton. So uh, congrats on that. That's a huge opportunity for you. Um, you know, being have you have you been able to? I know this might sound stupid, but like, have you been able to like you know kind of cultivate your own like coaching style? Or are you still like in the process of like, you know, I'll I'll say things here and there, but I'm still like trying to learn and trying to get my whereabouts and like trying to figure out how I can properly lead each kid and talk to each kid and get the most out of every kid. Because like I'm sure you know like what works for one yeah, kid and a coach funny. may not so, work for another kid with a coach being at Cortland, the kids that go to SUNY Cortland, their personalities are much different than the kids who go to SUNY Binghamton, or it's like the kids who go to the university of Buffalo, their personalities are going to be different than the kids who go to Florida state, let's say. Um, and so you kind of adapt and change in each situation just based off the personality of the kids themselves. I've definitely picked up things from all the people I've worked along with, both good and bad. Um, and I'm still in the process of kind of trying to figure out who I am as a coach in a way. Um, and being an assistant coach, there's definitely different rules than being different ways to go about it than being a head coach. Whereas the head coach more often than not has to be the stern guy has to be the hammer guy and be like, guys, you know, kind of lay the law down. The assistant coach then can be the one who puts the arm around the individual kid and is like, dude, it's all right. This is what he means. Like, this is kind of what you have to do. And so I've definitely taken on that role um, here and at Corland as well as having those side individual conversations. And then 
I guess from a team aspect, I have been fortunate enough to kind of been running the scouts for each team we've played so far. Um, and then also the recap of the game before in terms of going over film and that kind of thing. And so there's a different way to talk to the team in that situation. Just like there's a different way to talk to the individual after he just got motherfucked by the head coach because he's been making the wrong pass, you know, the last three times he's had the ball. And so I've definitely learned to adapt and change kind of with the new situation and surroundings. Um, but I would say I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, I guess, what my personality is in coaching. That being said, a lot of it does have to do with who I am as a person outside of the field. Um, I'm a pretty easygoing, you know, positive individual. And I think kids these days definitely need that. Um, as well as they need the negative side, like, hey, it's just not good enough in moments. But more often than not, I think it needs to be positive. And, and again, I'm just trying to figure that out piece by piece. And the, the difference between an assistant coach and a head coach, too, I'm sure – whenever that opportunity comes along for me, that role for myself and the way I go about it will definitely have to change slightly without totally losing yourself in it. Because at the end of the day, the kids are smart enough to realize if you're not being authentic enough and who you are to them. And the second they realize that they're going to be turned off to you and they're not going to listen to you and they're not going to kind of come to you when they need things and, and that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's definitely a work in progress and, um, you know, each each day and each new scenario that presents itself is a learning experience for me, especially being young and only being, what, four years into it now, five years into it now. So, um, yeah, it's definitely – there's definitely been moments where I've learned things like how to handle it. But, yeah, it's piece by piece at the moment and just trying to not lose yourself in all of that as well when you're learning on the fly, that kind of thing. Yeah, and that, like, leads into, like, what I was uh, actually planning to ask you next, like, how you said, like, being authentic and shit like that. Like, what do you – I mean, you said you're still trying to figure out, like, who you are as a coach and whatnot. So, like, I don't know if, like, this is something that necessarily pertains to you, but just, like, maybe, like, the idea you can comment on. But, like, how important or not important do you think it is, like, for – to have that fine line of, like, you know, you're hard on your players because you want the best out of them and, like – um, you know, certain kids, like, I know, like, every coach I have, I've ever had has always, like, screamed bloody murder at me because, like, there's times where, like, I'm lazy and obviously, like, there's times where I'm not playing to my potential or something like that. And, like, you know, coaches see more in you that you actually know you're capable of. But at the same time, like, um, every – I would say 90% of the coaches I've had, they've always been able to do it in, like, an authentic way where, like um, – on the coach, they're doing their – like, on the field, they're they're the coach, they're doing their job, but, like, off the field – they like built a relationship with, you know, me and like other teammates to the point where it's just like, we understood that like when we're on the field, there's a job to get done. He's the coach. I'm the player. There's no, you know, it's, there's no fucking around that's going on. But as soon as we're off the field, they knew how to like uh, toe the line of like, okay, if you need to come and talk to me, you need to have a personal conversation with me. We can do that. And, you know, almost authentic to the point where like, once we are done playing, we would want to go and have a beer with them and enjoy, you know, like almost be buddies with them in a way. So like, what, like, do you think that like coaches that do do that and are like successful in doing that and knowing how to toe that line, they actually in the long run could build a better program yeah, and get more players yeah, to want to buy into what I they're mean, saying? I mean, it's massive. Or, and so or what do you think? if you look back like 30 years, it may be not even that long. If you look back 15, 20 everyone was treated as the same individual, right? No matter who you were, no matter how you reacted in certain situations, everyone was treated the same way. Nowadays, and I know that we're not the only ones at Binghamton, and I know at Cortland we weren't the only ones doing it, but nowadays we give our guys personality tests. And so what these personality tests tell us is like how these kids like to be treated, how they receive communication the best, how are they motivated the best, all those kind of things. And so there still needs to be time to time as a whole group that everyone's just getting motherfucked and like, guys, it's just not good enough. Like as a group, we need to get better. But then building those personal relationships is huge because again, like you said, when they get motherfucked afterwards, they're like, okay, it's not on a personal level. Like he doesn't actually hate me as a player. He's just trying to motivate me. And I know he has my best interest at the end of the day. Um, and so with these personality tests that we've been doing and getting the results back from 
the players. It's just helped us communicate with them better in everyday situations. And so, again, one kid, he might enjoy, like, just getting yelled at and getting battered. And, like, dude, you need to pick it up and the whole thing. While the kid next to him responds about it to, like, hey, hey, you know it's not good enough. And, like, maybe we can do X, Y, and Z and get there. And so those personal relationships are definitely huge in creating culture and creating a team environment that is positive and moving in the right direction. And again, like, especially in the college game, um, when recruits come to visit a hundred percent, and I'm sure you and I both did it. They're asking the players like, Hey, what's coach like, like, is he a good, is he a good person? Like, do you want to be around him? That kind of thing. And so that right there plays a huge part in the recruiting role. What your player answers to that recruit. Um, yeah. So those, those, interpersonal relationships are massive in building a team that's going to be successful for not only a season, but for multiple seasons. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Cause um, there was a coach, I'm not going to name his name, but like, um, yeah. And like for people listening, like that might be like, yo, what the fuck? Like I would never want to play for a coach like that. Kind of like how, you know, like there's times where like, like the coach wasn't actually being like, bro, you're a bitch. Like, it's just like when you're like, when you're it's like, how do I want to say this? Cause I was talking about it with Dorenzo. When you compete at a high level, you don't get to that level or get good to get to that yeah. point without being like super fiery and kind of no fucks given like kind of mentality. So it's just like, I, the only reason I was just like, yo, what was that about? Is that like, I didn't feel as though he needed to like stop the drill and like fucking scream at me in front of everyone. Like I could see, like I come off to the side, he say it then, but like, um and like i didn't take it personally because like i'm sure you know like you've probably seen like i'm not comparing the two but like you've probably seen like alabama football like there's times where they're up 30 on some teams the dude goes offside you see like nick saban breaking his headphone his headset screaming bloody murder at a player but then again like they've been to the title game eight times in the past like 13 14 years so like certain coaches are just like they can do that and like when i went and talked to you know the coach I, he, he straight up said, he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. But at the same time, it really fucking annoys me how, you know, I see a lot of potential in you, but you play with almost no fire. He's like, it's like almost, he's like, some days you're aggressive. Some days it's just like, eh, eh. And he goes, as a coach, that makes my skin crawl. Right. So me exploding on you was because of that. Not because I actually think you're a bitch. So it's like, um, in a way, it's just like, I, I kind of think that like the more, you know, personal and like authentic you are with your players, like right up front and like, kind of like, yo, this is what it's going to be. This isn't. And like, he told me, he goes, look, he goes, and I'm sorry, but at the same time, John, he goes, you're playing division one lacrosse and you're at like, you know, a, a, a really good program. And he goes, we right. play really good schools. Like, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but this is not for everyone. So like, if it, if that's something that's really going to bother you, like, it, I mean, you might have to, you know, look in the mirror and take, you know, take a hard look at yourself and figure that out. But, you know, that's where I'm coming from. I don't feel as though you're putting all your effort into how you're playing. So as a coach, it really bothers me. And when you, you know, make these like, you know, boneheaded decisions, my natural reaction is to explode on you. But like, you know, kind of how you said about like going and talking to him, like I was going in that office, like, fuck (laughs) this guy. As I left, I'm like, that guy's the man. I'm like, I respect that. I'm like, I respect the fuck out of him now. And, And then it's more so of like, damn, like I gotta, you know, I got to pick it up on my end, but like, you know, I always think it's like an interesting dynamic between like coaches and players. Cause I think if there is like, you know, more transparency and authenticity, like you kind of get like and more players, players want to be heard too. Like the so that's the thing. And like kind of like the culture like, you're trying to build. I, in the team. I train the goalkeepers every day. And so we were doing a drill the other day, just me and the goalkeepers. And the one kid was like, Hey, can we just change this one thing and do it a little differently? And I'm like, absolutely. Like if that's what you feel you need in this moment, a hundred percent, no issues with you. It's not like something, some totally crazy idea that has no benefit to what we're trying to do. Um, And so that's the other thing, like players want to be heard. And when they give ideas, they want to know that their ideas are actually going to be implemented or at least taken into consideration. Um, And again, especially in this generation that we have now, um it's super important that those individuals again are heard and and understood and that'll only help your program because at the end of the day it's not a me thing it's not a you thing it's a we thing and it's all of us trying to do it together and i can't do it on my own you guys can't do it on your own we have to do it as a total unit and so the more you can get everybody pulling the rope in the same direction shout out my guy lamar peters one of the greatest people of all time 
assistant coach at SUNY Corlin, you'd use that analogy all the time. If you can get everybody pulling the rope in the same direction, your team's going to be unbelievable. And so that really is the goal of like team culture and team building is trying to get everybody going the same way, doing the same thing um, on the same page. Absolutely. And like, to, to like kind of piggyback off that, which I'd like you to comment on before I move on is that like, I don't remember if it was, if I was talking to Derek Richards or who exactly I was talking to, but like, like the, I mean, I don't know about soccer, but like, I mean, you can contest this because you played lacrosse in high school, but like, it seems like almost like every kid that not every kid, but the majority of kids that like play lacrosse in Buffalo, a good bulk of them like go play division one, division two or division three. So it's like, kind of like, you know, we're a little desensitized to the whole idea that like, playing a college sport and playing it at a high level is not like a, like a common thing. So it's just like, you kind of, I would say like get lost in the translation of like, when you get to a place like Mercyhurst or, you know, like a Cortland or Binghamton, cause like even Binghamton, we played them every year. They had some nasty kids is that it's just like, you're there because, you know, you've been able to accomplish whatever you've been able to, to get to that level not every kid can do it. And there's always kids like knocking on the door that are like, Hey coach, I would love to just have a Jersey to be on this team. But the fact that like, you're actually on the roster and you're actually getting playing time and you're playing like, like you're not going to be treated the same as if like you're going to a camp where you can sign up and pay money. And I think that like a lot of, I don't want to say kids, but I think a lot of people, they, they take like when you're being coached, they take things way too personally because I know I used to. And it's like, in a way, at the end of the day, like um, the coaches aren't there to just shit on you. Otherwise, they wouldn't even have you on the team. Like they're there because they think that you can contribute some way and you're going to be able to be the missing piece in the puzzle that ultimately like leads them to what their goal is, is like winning and shit. So it's just like I think that like that is like a, you know, kind of like a mental reminder, like a lot of uh, kids don't like it gets lost in translation and they don't think about. And then like when, when coaches on their ass, yes. they're just like, this guy doesn't like me, which is just yes. far there's, from, a, there's a lot of things. In that. So the first is like, we do definitely take it for granted. There's, I just learned this the other day, there's less than 200 division one men's soccer programs. So even from my coaching standpoint, like I take for granted the position I'm in, because in the entire country, there's, let's say, you have three assistant coaches, which is super high. So let's say you have anywhere between two and three assistant coaches, and it's less than 200 teams. So that's like, you know, not a big numbers guy, but fuck, it's about 700 jobs total in the whole country you could get. And I'm fortunate enough to have one of them. So when you look at it from that perspective, it's like, yeah, I'm very lucky to be doing what I'm doing at the level I'm doing it. Um, and then the next piece is like, I get, and again, I'm only a second assistant at Binghamton. So, you know, I'm small fish in a, in a pretty big pond. But even I get three, four, five emails a day of kids trying to play at Binghamton. And truth be told, just because of the sheer number of it and the volume that occurs and where we're at, like none of those kids are making it. And so at least at our level, they might be making it at, a mid to low level division two, mid to low level division three. Um, but again, there's so many kids out there that are trying to play collegiate sports. And like you said, we kind of take it for granted the fact that we were able to, even to the extent we were, um, again, me not playing any minutes, but the fact that I was like on a program, I got the free clothes. I always like to make the joke. I got the free clothes. Like I was on the team. Um, but even in that standpoint, like we're super lucky and fortunate considering how many kids are actually trying to do it and how many programs there are that take kids and have teams. Yeah, no. And like kind of your point about like not playing and shit. My, uh, my freshman year, we beat, we beat Syracuse in the dome at Syracuse. And I think like at the time Syracuse was ranked number two in the country. And that same exact year, they went to the final four and then lost to Duke in the national championship. And like when we beat them, it was like a major upset in college lacrosse. And it was like the first time Hobart's beat them in like a while. And I remember like, I didn't play a single fucking second of that game. Mm -hmm. I think there was only like two or three freshmen in our class that actually like played out of the 15 of us there were. And like, I was just like, I remember like my mom was just like, cause that, that's where I wanted to go to school. Like I, like when I first got put on the lacrosse, the first time I went to a game was Syracuse versus Denver. And I was like, yo, I, I want to play, I want to go to Syracuse. Like this is close enough to home. Like it's a sick ass program. So like, that was my goal it was like, all right, I'm going to try to get to Syracuse. And I mean, 
I ended up at Hobart. We ended up playing Syracuse. And like I said to my mom, she's just like, are you disappointed you didn't get to play? I'm like, no, we just fucking beat them in the dome. Like, I remember this shit the rest of my life. And then on top of it, too, like, Negan and all my other boys are, like, texting me. And they're just like, yo, like, what the fuck? And I'm just like, kind of like how you were saying, like, you still get, like, you still you still have the same excitement whether, you know, you play or don't play, like, in those big type of moments. But, like, it is – it is like, uh, you know, I never really thought about that until after I got out of college and, you know, talking with you, Mike, and, like, other kids no. that it's just like, yo, like, not many kids get, like, not saying that we're fucking good, but, like, not many kids, like, get that opportunity. And when you do get that opportunity, it's like, you kind of, like, take it for granted because I know, like, when I got to Mercyhurst, I right. fucking dicked around and I was lazy as fuck. It's like, and I, I guess like, the other thing with the not playing the boot, you know what I mean? had this conversation um a week ago or two weeks ago now with one of our goalkeepers. So we have quite the goalkeeper situation where they're both very, very good. And it kind of depends on like how they did in training the day before. And honestly, the other day it, it depended on what way the wind was blowing and what half, and that's decided who played in goal and what half. And it's like crazy to say, but that's kind of the situation we're in because again, both of them are very good and both of them um, have their moments. Well, what I'm getting at is I didn't play at Mercy Years for any of the years. In my first three years, I took everything that happened, like, super personal. Everything the coach said, every way I was put in a drill, whatever the case may be, I took it super personal, and it, like, affected my mood on a day-to-day basis. Um, and then my senior year, I, I don't know what changed. I don't know what occurred, but I just had the thought of, like, I really don't give a fuck what is going to happen. I'm going to enjoy every second that I have to play and I'm just going to make the most of it. And whatever the case is, wherever I'm at in a lineup, wherever I'm at on the team sheet in a drill, whatever the case is, I'm just going to enjoy it, take it for what it is, not read too much into it and let it be. And that was the best year like I had from an emotional standpoint, from a playing standpoint, even though I didn't see minutes on the field, I felt in training like I was playing better than I had my previous three years. And again, it was, this was my attitude and outlook on it. And I tried to tell that to one of our goalkeepers because he felt like he was getting sorted on time and whatnot. And he was reading so much into everything that was happening. I was like, dude, you just got to let it go. And at the end of the day, a coach is going to make a decision what he thinks is best for the team. And you can't change that decision. The only way you change it is through your playing. And I would be shocked if somebody told me like, yeah, I actually play well when I'm upset and like when I'm sad and down. No one, I don't think, is playing that way. You play best when you're happy, when you're upbeat, when you're feeling good. Um, and so when that mindset for me changed, again, my playing changed. And the kid had the same luck. He changed the outlook. And for the next three days, he was phenomenal in training and fought his way back in the starting lineup. And so, yeah, it's like we've talked about, it kind of seems like the theme of what we've had so far is, like coaches are going to do what's best for the team and you only way you affect that is through playing time and your playing time is only going to be, or your playing is only going to be well if your mood is good and if you're upbeat and like ready to have a good session, you got a smile on your face and all those kind of things. Um, but it's weird. The whole playing, not playing, taking everything personal. It's a very slippery slope once you get in it. And it's a fine line between, you know, reading too much into it and not reading into it and, and all that kind of stuff. And you kind of just got to figure it out as you go. And every situation is different, obviously, for certain aspects. But, yeah, it's it's quite this – it's quite the side now seeing it from a coaching point and then obviously being a player when I was, I look back and I'm like, holy fuck, like what an idiot I was at that time. I wish someone had kind of told me or, like, I knew then what I know now. And like we said, hindsight's twenty twenty in that aspect. But – yeah, fuck, it's crazy seeing it from the other side now for the couple years I've been in it. Yeah, and, like, you know, kind of, like, wrapping this up on that note, like, I it's, like, the same thing because, like, I tell – like, when I got the boot from the team, like, I had, you know, multiple guys being like, bro, this is fucking bullshit. Like, we're going to go talk to coach. Like, da, da, da. I'm like, yeah, but, like – and I mean, my mom's always raised me this way. I'm just like – is it bullshit though like first he had to i'm like first he had to suspend me because i wasn't going to class then he had to suspend me again for lying about you know what my grades were then on top of it like you know he he set like certain rules for us and i broke multiple team rules not that like it affected anyone but it's like at what point like you know, and at least in my case, do you set a standard for the team? Because like, you know, cause a lot of guys, I doubt anyone thought that, but like, if he was to keep me on the team, like 
looking back on it from like say like a coach's perspective and a more mature like mental state it's like yo you're kind of just letting me get away with shit because like i came from a d1 program so it's kind of like you're favoring a kid that can contribute but it's like if a kid that was never touching the field doing that shit you would get rid of his ass immediately so it's just like you know, like i try to tell like a couple of the guys like when um it we were talking about it like we don't talk about it anymore but like I would tell him, like, yo, if like, it's not bullshit though. Like, he yeah, expected something of me, and I did the polar opposite. And so the, he dude, the greatest like, example of that like, is yeah. I'm gonna and absolutely like, butcher just, his name. This is the way it is. You um, Johannachoke from Albany, the attackman. Do you know what I'm talking about? So he was so Albany played Binghamton a couple oh, weeks yeah, ago, and he, I actually yeah, was there watching. The and the Albany? dude is a phenomenal lacrosse player. Like he again is doing shit that it's just like. Bro, I don't even understand what planet you came from or how you fucking. He's he's an actual monster. The shit is ridiculous. He was pulling like between <laughs> he's a the monster. He's in space goals too. in the middle of traffic, bouncing off the floor, like no no issues whatsoever. But he, so there was a little scruffle that broke out in that game, um, and he was kind of involved in it in a pretty heavy way. Not the one that really started it, but he kind of kept it going and lit the fire even more. And then apparently he's just been having issues like yelling at coaches, getting in fights with teammates, like just not being a good teammate. And he's the perfect example of, dude, it doesn't matter who you are and how much you contribute. I think he leads the country in goals, or if not, he's like got to be top five. I mean, kid scores fucking four a game. But the perfect example of if you're going to hurt our team culture, like we don't make exceptions for certain players. And so – yeah, he got removed from the team last week, and it was it's pretty big news in the crossroad. Um, and I and I personally like the move. Like again, dude, if you're not going to pull your weight, if you're not pulling the rope in the same direction, you're going to be a dickhead. Like you just you got to go. We can't have you. Absolutely, and I totally agree. Like, and that's the thing. Like, I never like the second <laughs> I got the move from the team, my mom was like, "Don't." even think of uttering a word that this is bullshit like you knew it was coming i was like hey touche mom like i agree i'm like don't worry about me i'm good <laughs> and so like and that but that's the thing though like my mom's always raised me that way she's always just like if there's an issue which i know like a lot of my buddies and a lot of like other parents like disagree with it but it's like she's always just like yo if there's a problem and you're involved you like there's culpability on your end some way shape or form so like don't don't play the fucking victim card um but, you know, like kind of wrapping shit up here, because I know like we're, you know, you're tight on time and stuff like that. Um, you know, after like everything you've experienced in life, you know, your college experience, you know, you, you know, the dope ass experience you got going on right now. Like, and I ask everyone this, if you could meet your younger self and like at the at the oldest you are is 18 years old, but you could be younger. It doesn't matter. Like, what would you tell yourself about like life in general and like things to like look forward to in the future and like so, the mindset and perspective first thing that I say you would tell your the younger people self you're gonna to meet take at with Mercy you going forward. Like the best people you'll ever meet in your entire life and the most genuine fucking down to earth, just want to have a good time and enjoy each other's company people you ever meet and to enjoy every moment of that because you'll get out of it and look back and be like, holy fuck, dude, I would give up everything to go back and just enjoy one more, like, fun Sunday race day type ordeal or watch Lenny jump off a table and fucking smack his head into a TV. Um, so that definitely would be the first thing I'd say. Dude, just... <laughs> <laughs> just fucking enjoy, enjoy all those moments and cherish them because, dude, they go fucking so fast. And, like, holy again, fuck. I just... The world, I'd give it all up to go fucking watch his dumb ass do some fucking janky shit. And then the next thing I would say is, like, from a playing athlete standpoint, like, dude, you think you're working hard and you are working hard, but there's people who, and it's cliche, are working a fucking gajillion times harder than you are. And I've heard a couple of uh, people talking about on the podcast, like, and I can't remember who said it, but I think Johnny was the one who said it specifically, like, dude, the hours that people are putting in to be great at their sport like it's no joke like you you really have to be fully committed and you really got to be like this is what i want and this is what i'm going to go for to excel at the next level um so those would probably be the two to do two biggest things and i again would like to give a shout out to all the fucking merciers people all the guys i played with all the degenerates that have come through that school male and female we had an absolute wonder class of females that I just don't think is getting replicated really anywhere else. 
Um, but fuck, dude, the times we had and the stories that come out of it, and even like in the little snap group that we're in, some of the memories that come up, it's like, dude, I actually can't believe we got away with that stuff and like that that was allowed and not fucking booted from school. And hearing the stories of Renzo recapping that spring break and like some of the shit, I always remember you guys talking about the, uh, ethics class that you were in and the stuff that come out of there like it's just absolute gold and again not to take any of that stuff for granted and enjoy every second of it um yeah and like to your point like it's like uh my one of my the kid that i lived with in boston like uh, mark one of my best friends nah, he came to visit mercier twice and just like bro like, what the fuck is this place like this isn't a real like this is not a real place and like it yo it it literally it's 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 i say all the time it's like where the they were shot the hills have eyes like it's that type of place too like it's so fucked up and the thing that's even crazier to me which it's just like um like you said like there's a bunch of girls that we went to school with that are just fucking kicking ass in real life like a lot of them are going to med school a lot of them are fucking you know teachers a lot of them are you know some of them are you know becoming an attorney and it's kind of funny because like now you see like all of us in our careers and doing our thing. And then it's just like, like you texted me the other day and you're just like, dude, like it's, you said Dorenzo doesn't get the credit he deserves because he's actually like smart and like has a good hand on his shoulders. But like people, people only know him for all the fucking stupid ass shit that he's done. And like, I've, I was telling you too, I'm like, bro, like a lot of people like actually reached out to me and whether it was like Instagram DM or texting me and we're just like, (laughs) Oh my God! Like my outlook on Mike is just completely and different. Dude, that's like, the, I thought that he was just well, a, that's the because of, but that's the thing with a lot of people like, from Mercier. He's actually is, he's got a good head on his shoulders, and it's just no like, one's come out of there and been like a fucking massive failure. Like there's no one that we went to school with, and I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm ashamed to even associate myself with that person because everyone seemed to have that switch. When I'm sure if we all went back and we all got back together this weekend. That's what you get turned on, and Doc Siders like it's just not safe. Like Lenny's gonna be shirtless, Renzo's gonna be chucking ice cubes at Dick's fucking fat head, like all that shit would go on. And then we'd catch it on a Monday, and I'd be back to work, and you'd be like, "Yeah, dude, that shit." Again, <laughs> we're back to being professional, like holding the fort down and doing all those things. Um, but it's crazy. Like I can promise you, we get Renzo in a situation in downtown Buffalo. That kid is a fucking zoo animal. <laughs> Um, not to fucking, I, he wouldn't even care. So this isn't even me exposing him. Uh, he came, I think it was July 28. No, no, no. It wasn't 2018. I think it was, I don't remember. Like it was right after we graduated. So that was what? 2017. Yes. He came, he came up for the weekend. He stayed with me. We went down to uh sky bar. Dude, he was fucking shirtless, <laughs> slamming beers like Stone Cold Steve Austin in his prime, just r- like just roaming the bar shirtless, just hammered and like no, like I mean it's <laughs> Buffalo, so no one's really batting an eye at it, but it's just like like you look at that and you're like, oh, that man's a teacher. Like it, to your point, like it doesn't line up. And like um, I had him on a couple episodes ago, and I just post about it. Casey Dowd, who is a fucking one of like the dopest humans I've ever met is that like he was saying that like his first coaching job out of uh out of college was working at Mercyhurst and he said that like he's like eerie like he just he didn't understand it he didn't understand the stuff he's like for anyone that's like been to Mercyhurst he's like I don't understand how the stones in business and then he was saying how like he it was the most like wild concept to him how he's never been around a group of guys where like kind of to your point about like being able to have that switch of like, okay, we're being, we're going in straight savage mode. And then we're going to like, not even like a day later, we're going to be back to like the grind of doing what we got to do and taking care of our business is he was saying how it's like, he was never around a group of kids or group of not kids, but a group of guys, especially like at the collegiate level that coaches literally had to like blow the whistles to get us off each other. Cause like we're fucking beating the shit out of each other in practice. Like, throwing hands with each other, talking, like saying some of the most disrespectful and ignorant shit to each other in practice. (laughs) But then the second we're off the field, we're like all best friends. And then we're fucking just getting torched, just getting after it. And then he was saying like, you know, shout out Greg Wild because, you know, he's he he got picked up. He's playing in the PLL for the Chrome this year. So, um, you know, everyone go support his ass. But like he brought it up. He was just like, dude, he was like, Greg, for example, he's like, was just getting after it on the weekends. But then, like, the next day at, like, 8 a.m., 
all you guys were in the gym packed out like full sweats just getting after it and he was like it was the most bizarre thing but he's like I he's like I carry that experience I had at Mercyhurst he's like I didn't just see it on the lacrosse field he's like I saw it with like the hockey kids he's like I saw it like with almost every sports team almost and like just the culture of what Mercyhurst is and he was saying that now when he coaches he tells his guys he's like yo like that blue collar like work hard, play hard. He's like, that's a real thing. Like, and I never seen it until I got to Mercyhurst. And the way to feel it and understand it is just to be in it and see the fucking hurricane that it is. But fuck dude, whenever we actually are able to get an alumni weekend and get the band back together, just fucking batter down the hatches. Cause it is common big time. Yeah. And we'll save this for another episode, but fucking, uh, when, when birdie and dick smith and grace lawson came to denver and uh we went to this like all you can it was like bottomless mimosa brunch dude and dick smith like was just pounding mimosas so much that like the fucking server was just standing next to him with a, oh, with a pitcher man, and as he would finish definitely. one she was just standing there pouring it like he had Shout his own like little personal too, fucking, fucking server. a bunch of beautiful people there is in that little fucking fairy tale <laughs> We, yeah, no yeah, we can't we can't give too much detail, but all we gotta say is Andy's bar. People, if you if you know what Andy's bar is, you know. But if you don't, yeah, if you don't, Shout don't worry about Andy's it. Bar, fuck, I absolutely. It's like that it. little kid. When he's like, fucking, don't worry about what it. What a way to bring it home there. What a way. Not tired of talking, but you're absolutely smashing it with these things and the people you're getting on and like the stories they're telling too and kind of their side of things. Um, it's been incredible, and so kudos to you and shout out to you for fucking doing what you've been doing and definitely stay on it and i'm just excited to hear now what old grace lawson has to say because she's going to be chirping in the old year about andy's bar i can only imagine the fucking text i'm about to receive because of that yeah no and like that's the thing too is like i i was honestly like i'm just gonna bring up what i texted her not to get all fucking like sentimental and i don't even know if that's the right word but like she was asking me because she was listening to elijah's episode <laughs> And um, let me find my the text real quick. She was just like, she texted me and she's just like, Elijah is speaking. Um, she, oh, no, no, no. What the fuck? I can't even find it. She goes, uh, da, 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 da. she goes, Elijah's episode is so, is so good. He lived such a cool life. And damn, he had his life figured out since fifth grade, like social studies teacher, lacrosse coach. I remember him telling me that in his plan in our freshman year and he fucking did it. And I told, I told her, I was just like, I genuinely, genuinely fucking hate social media. Like I was telling Megan last night, like if there's one thing, Mm -hmm. like if I can get like a wish and wave that fucking wand, I would delete, get every, like no one can be on social media, like delete it. And, um, I was saying, so like my whole goal, like from this like podcast was like, you know, that I want to manifest out of it is that like, you know, we all have such unique experiences in life we all have unique personalities and we all have like unique perspectives so it's like kind of in a way like i remember i used to fuck with you and just be like you know i need my daily juice <laughs> like when you when you're fucking like like instead of saying like i need a v8 i need the i need the daily juice and um it's like kind of in a way that like um it's like it gives it gives others like the confidence and courage to just be like i don't give a fuck i'm just gonna go try something that like makes me happy and not be caught up in the whole like the clout and comparison bullshit that social media breeds where like people ultimately fucking just end up not feeling good about themselves. They get anxiety about their future and and all that bullshit. And then in a way, like, like Megan was saying yesterday, he's like, dude, he's like, I've been listening to some of the people you've had on and I know them personally, but like, I didn't know those things about them. And it's like, in a way, it's like a lot of people on social media, they just post shit to, you know, get likes. And it's just like that. I, I find that shit to be so ass backwards. It's just like, you know, in a way it's like, if we could just like, collab with each other shoot the shit with each other and just like tell stories from our personal experience there was a time back in the fall when i was doing monday wellness checks and i would text like three or four people every monday just say hey how you doing hope things are good you know hope you're doing all right and listen to like the renzo one and listen to the johnny one and i don't even know johnny on a personal level whatsoever but i just kind of do it from like the the thing he's doing on the podcast and like that kind of stuff but Dude, I would have no. I don't know him either. That, like, like I Renzo just, I met him through a, a kid, time. or like I'd have no clue that Johnny was going through a tough time because, again, people hide those battles, and I think what you got going on and what you're doing, like, is great for for people to reach out or like have these conversations and be kind of free and open about it, and then other people hearing it, it's like, dude, I actually didn't know that was going on. Like, hope everything's good. If you need anything, reach out. 
that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, dude, it's a fucking smashing idea from you. And it's great that, that people are tuning in and you definitely feel more of a connection to it. Cause you know, the individual and you're like, I know who you are, but also like, what are you saying? Kind of when, you know, the booze isn't flowing and you're not just like trying to be a dickhead fuck around kind of thing. And so, yeah, I mean, it's fantastic what, what's been going on. And I don't want to stroke you off too much because I know your head's already big enough as it is. So, uh-huh. <laughs> yo, there's a fucking, there's a fucking, if I can find it, I'll post it on Instagram <laughs> just because you brought that up. But there's a picture, uh, like my uncle, my uncle always tells me I grew into my head. Like my head's been the same size since I was fucking born. And he was saying that there is a picture of him and my aunt where they're measure like my aunt has a tape measure around my head. And then my uncle has a tape measure around the basketball. <laughs> And he's just like, yo, they're fucking, they're the same fucking size. <laughs> but no, like going off that, like major shout out to Johnny Lazarus. Like he's fucking killing it. And like, I've never met the kid, like my buddy Cody, who does like the exit 44 shit. He's like, dude, he's like, you got to meet this kid, Johnny. He's dope. He's doing a lot of good shit. And I literally hopped on the phone. I'm like, like I said, I didn't even have his number saved. I just hopped on the phone. You know, like he just told me what he's about. I, you know, did a little same. And then he's like, we're like, let's rip this podcast. So like. Like I said, like, and now when we do meet up for the first time, we cut all that, like, awkward, like, oh, hey, like, what's up? Like, all that stupid-ass bullshit. So it's like, all right. You actually texted me on one of those Mondays, and you reached out, and you're like, hey, bro, hope you're doing well. And I I texted you back, and I I stopped doing it. Yeah, thanks, but stick the fucking off. (laughs) Mainly just because of time, and I just, it's poor for me on that end of it. But, like, it was actually great to reach out. And, And people that you don't reach out to often receive those texts. And I even got one from somebody a couple weeks ago that just was kind of out of the blue, like, Hey, hope you're doing all right. And even just to know that like somebody's out there thinking of you in some capacity fucking makes all the world for that person. So yeah, Monday wellness checks. I might have to bring them back though. I might have to bring the Monday wellness checks back for the people just to make sure everybody's still breathing, living, doing good things. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, just just please don't text me because if I see your name across my fucking screen, I might have to I might have to fucking slash your tires. Fucking so like, gold, fucking gold. Like honestly, right, like, big red. Again, I, fu- I appreciate it, my guy. It's been an absolute pleasure. If anybody's made it far, shout out to you. You can text me if anybody's made this far. Big red, don't text him. He's already too popular and got all the people blowing up as hot as it is. <laughs> No, I don't. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not texting you. So, like, this is what we're gonna do. Like, this is probably the longest I've ever talked to you. So, let's see, it's Fuck, April seventh. Uh, hit me up again, December seventh. That will be plenty of time. All right, bro. Stay blessed. Stay holy. Stay bright. Peace and blessings. Peace. Uh, fuck. All right, bro. I'll Go catch bro. you. I appreciate you doing this.